Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Everything EMA podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. My name is Joe Tillery. I hope you're having a wonderful day because today we're going to talk about some awesome new news surrounding the Kansas State Wildcats football team, as well as take a look at some of the, you know, my first impressions from the non-conference schedule for K-State basketball, talking through some of the stuff going on with Quez Glover and surrounding the team. We'll talk about all that and more in today's episode, but before we do get into things, let me remind you, if you're interested, if you have a quick sec, I know we're just past Christmas, but if you want to give a late Christmas present, go ahead and consider leaving a five-star rating and review on the show. Take a screenshot of that review and send it over to Pete Mundo. That is Pete, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Send it his way. We will send you back a free Heartland College Sports state-of-the-art koozie. Keeps your beers cold all winter. Even though it's already a little bit cold outside, don't get your hands too cold holding that ice-cold beer. But guys, if you didn't see it, we got some big news on the football side of things. Now, we talked about it in last week's episode. I talked about how Connor Riley will likely be the offensive coordinator. I'm not entirely right, but I'm also not entirely wrong. From the looks of it, K-State is hiring Matt Wells. It's not official. Let me say it's not official. But from the looks of it, the writing on the wall say Matt Wells to K-State is done in a co-offensive coordinator position with Connor Riley. It sounds like this way we're going to get a little bit of both. You know, Connor Riley can stand on the sidelines, still be with the offensive line as a co-offensive coordinator, co-offensive lineman coach, as well as Matt Wells being up in the booth, getting that overarching, you know, the, uh, the bird's eye view of the field. So we'll get a little bit of best of both worlds with that as well as retain one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. Matt Wells recently, I'm sure you know that name, spent about the last two and a half years at Texas Tech from 2019 to 2021, was fired after losing to K-State in 2021. He's one of Chris Kleiman's closest buddies from the industry, and he has spent 27 years around the game of college football, this being his 26th season. Recently was on staff as an offensive analyst and administrator, excuse me, advisor for Oklahoma as a part of one of the nation's highest flying offenses. We'll talk about that and more. But for now, let me read you the report from GoPowerCat. This is the news that dropped today. Shout out to Ryan Wallace, who wrote the story. He did some great work for GoPowerCat. This is what Wally had to say. A person Chris Kleiman has called one of his closest friends in the coaching profession will soon share a spot on his staff at Kansas State, as GoPowerCat has learned that the head coach is hoping to add Matt Wells for the 2024 campaign. A veteran leader on the verge of beginning his 27th season at the FBS level, Wells is expected to fill the void left by Colin Klein as quarterback's coach and work in conjunction with Connor Riley on offensive play calls. A source tells GoPowerCat that the deal isn't done yet, but Kleiman is still working through some of the details with Wells. Most recently, Wells has served as Oklahoma's advisor to head coach Brent Venables and the offensive analyst in charge of the Sooners' litany of offensive support staffers. Remembered largely for his two-and-a-half season stint in Lubbock as head coach at Texas Tech, the 50-year-old Wells has a lengthy resume that includes two Mountain West Coach of the Year honors while at his alma mater, Utah State, in addition to prior pit stops with Navy, Tulsa, New Mexico, and Louisville. Though his 57-51 and 51 record as a head coach over nine years may dampen excitement around the K-State fan base, the wealth of experience Wells brings in on a number of levels should serve K-State incredibly well for a position meant to oversee the offensive side of football. Since his career began in the late 1990s under the watch of Kansas-bred head coach Charlie Weatherby in Annapolis, Wells has adapted from the triple option attack to the air raid style to an up-tempo, no-huddle offense that still prides itself on balance and physicality. During that span, he's also become well-versed at several positions, having led quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends along the way. Within his own offensive rooms, Wells has exchanged ideas and shared philosophy with the likes of Jeff Lebby, Sonny Crumbie, Josh Hupel, Steve Cragthorpe, and Mike Loxley. On the other side of the football, the newest staffer has had to cut his teeth on a daily basis against names such as Dick Bumpus, Ted DeRuder, Todd Graham, Rocky Long, Brent Guy, Dave Aranda, and Venables, with whom he sat opposite in meeting rooms with for over a number of years. As a recruiter, this is some important information. As a recruiter, 
three times holding the title of his team's recruiting coordinator in addition to the on-the-field duties, Wells is comfortable evaluating from the angle of development while also grooming some big names too. At the quarterback position, all alone, Wells is tied in to some ways for all the likes of Jordan Love, Donovan Smith, Tyler Shuck, and Baron Morton, not to mention having helped Dylan Gabriel and mature Jackson Arnold. Between 2012-2020, Utah State saw 12 different players chosen in the NFL draft, five coming in the first three rounds. The Aggies haven't had a single player drafted since Wells left his post. Meanwhile, his brief appointment in Lubbock led to players like Taj Brooks, Jalen Polk, and Tyree Wilson also choosing to become Red Raiders. And that name should sound big. Jalen Polk last night with Washington putting on an absolute show in the Sugar Bowl against Texas. I know that people might look at that and say, well, he wasn't great as a head coach. Guys, that doesn't tell me much about his play calling. I've seen his offense run. I've seen what he does. He would fit in great as a co-offensive coordinator alongside Connor Riley. Because here's the thing. You're not going to lose the running attack. You're not going to lose the rushing attack. Connor Riley's going to feed DJ Giddens the ball. That's the thing. Matt Wells has that spread, up-tempo offense that Avery Johnson could really take with and run. So you think about this. This is a marriage between two dudes who are great at what they do in terms of one being an air-raid passing attack guy and one producing a guy like Deuce Vaughn, a guy like DJ Giddens, and Avery Johnson. Like Getting to the point where you have these multiple dudes that can run the football and be effective as well as these skilled playmakers on the outside, I should say. We'll see what happens. We're going to still need to add some dudes to the portal. I'm not really, you know, I don't really know if we have the guys right now for a Matt Wells-led offense until we see what the season looks like as, as it starts. But I do know this. He's been very successful with quarterbacks. I mean, he turned Jordan Love into a first-round draft pick from Utah State. You get a guy like Avery Johnson out there, that's a game-changer. That's a world-changer. Matt Wells joining Kansas State. I know it's not official, so something could change on this front. But as of what we know right now, this is where we stand. I actually love the hire. I do. I personally did not expect them to hire anybody out of house. I thought that that was the right call. I thought it'd be the right choice, but I didn't expect them to do it. I kind of expected that title to be given to Connor Riley as well as being offensive line coach. But I really do think what we need to look into is the idea that Connor Riley more than likely still wants to be down on the field with his guys, with the offensive line group. That being said, he's also a skilled play caller. I mean, you look at that game, that felt like a pretty Colin Klein-led game plan. Like, that's kind of the vibe I got either way. I know they left some stuff to be desired in the third quarter there, but the combination of the two is a great thing. That way you're going to get a veteran coordinator up in the booth looking out, calling the offense, as well as a guy on the field, down with the offensive line, seeing what's working in the trenches, and then reporting back and also saying, all right, we got to run the ball right there, we got to go off tackle here, you know, spread option, whatever we want to do. You have the guys for that. Now it's going to be about getting adjusted to that game plan, keeping Avery Johnson comfortable, and bringing the players around him. Because here's the thing about a Matt Wells offense, tight ends eat. They absolutely eat in these offenses. That being said, you still need some guys on the outside so you don't repeat last year where it was Ben Sennett, steep drop-off, next level receivers. Like you had Ben Sennett at tight end who was clearing away your best passing attack, uh, your best threat, so you get doubled by everybody in the country when it's third and long. That was what Ben Sennett was dealing with. Jace Brown came on down the stretch late. Keegan Johnson, you know, massively underwhelmed. RJ Garcia, we thought he'd be a stud. He didn't end up showing up the way we thought he would. There's a lot of guys other that underperformed and, and ended up transferring and leaving. Now K-State's in a spot where they can land some really good receivers. One guy that we talked about, maybe not on the podcast, I know I've talked about it on YouTube and on social media as well, Jabri Barber from Troy. He's scheduled official visits to Michigan State, Kansas State, and I believe Texas A&M. You know, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I think that's where he's at. Matt Zenis reported that he's setting up a meeting with Kansas State, an official visit, I should say. Jabri Barber actually carved up our secondary when they came to K-State. That being said, that's not a ton of, you know, that's not a, that's not a massive accomplishment considering there were a lot of dudes that did carve us up this season, but Jabri Barber was a stud at Troy. Here's the season stats for Jabri Barber, and I'll give you my breakdown of him as a player here in a sec, but let me give you the stats for the season. 75 grabs, that's a ton of catches. 
999 yards, one shy of 1,000, and five touchdowns for an average catch distance of 13.3 yards. In his final game with Troy, he had 10 grabs for 107 yards, no touchdowns in the bowl game, but still did perform well at times. I think one thing that I really liked about what he did, Troy's offensive scheme game plan to use him almost like how the Miami Dolphins use Tyreek Hill or how the Canadian Football League operates. They'll send him out in motion so that way the ball snapped, he can cut up field and go. I know it can be kind of a risky thing at times, but the way they used him, the way they used him in motion, that fits in well with Matt Wells, that fits in great with Kansas State, and I think you got to love the hire if you're K-State fans. The comp that comes to my mind immediately, and love this or hate this, this is how I feel, he reminds me a lot of Josh Youngblood, Joshua Youngblood. I know he transferred out, I know he you know, was a real tough one after being one of the best freshman receivers we've had in a long time. Joshua Youngblood had that next play, that next factor, that big playability. Jabri Barber has that. He's a veteran version of Joshua Youngblood. Now Joshua Youngblood's obviously bounced around the portal and done some stuff at different colleges, but Jabri Barber fits that role as well as has experience on special teams. He returned punts, he returned kicks at Troy, he can do the same at K-State, and hopefully bring back some of that special teams U identity that we've had for so long. That's going to be huge. Other names bouncing around, I know we've taken some interest in Mikey Matthews. He's from Utah, transferred out. I know it was kind of a surprise. I wasn't entirely sure... If he was going to transfer out or not, he did end up transferring out, so there's that. You also had a receiver from JMU hit the portal who had a ton of yards. Like, don't get me wrong, this is a bunch of yards. Elijah Surratt, the six foot two sophomore from Virginia, had 82 grabs for almost 1,200 yards, 1,191 yards, eight touchdowns in the season. He was a stud for James Madison. James Madison had one of the best seasons they've had in program history. Go 11-2, lose to Air Force in the bowl game eventually. But two losses on the year, Surratt was a big part of that. He's a guy that K-State offered. It sounds like there's some mutual interest. Do I know that for a fact? I'm not sure. But just from the writing on the walls, that's what I'm seeing. That being said, this dude is going to be a competition. Every one of the guys I've mentioned, whether it be Mikey Williams, Debris Barber, or Surratt, like they're all three going to be dudes that are high-profile guys commanding a lot of different interests from teams. I know that Surratt already has, a, has an official setup to South Carolina. We'll see what happens there. Jabri Barber obviously has Michigan State set up as well as Texas A&M. There's going to be a lot to deal with. There's going to be a lot to talk about. But when you get a guy like Matt Wells, who's a skilled recruiter, a skilled offensive technician, that's great for the offense. I mean, you still keep a guy around like a Taylor Brett, who's your, spe- who's your recruiter, lead recruiter, getting guys in. But having the coordinator set up to pitch like, hey, this is the offensive style we want to go to. This is the game plan. That's huge. It bodes well for guys like Lincoln Cure who are considering K-State. That'd be huge. You get a a solid tight end and a tight end efficient offense. Obviously, we have the best tight end coach in the entire nation as well. I think you get a guy like a Ben Sennett, uh, uh, Bebe. You get a couple guys like Briley Moore. You've had so many successful tight ends come through K-State that didn't get the love they deserved. Ben Sennett goes from a walk-on kid, puts on some weight, puts on some ability, goes out there and gets drafted, well, will be drafted within the first three or four rounds of the NFL draft after being a walk-on. Pairing a guy like Lincoln Cure in this offense would be absolutely exquisite. That's the adjective we'll use for that. But I do want to transition a little bit to basketball. We're going to talk about some stuff from basketball. The first thing that comes to mind, guys, Quez Glover was set to make his debut tonight, today being January 2nd. This is the day we're playing Chicago State. I'm recording this before the game, but we have seen enough tweets to know that he will not be playing. It sounds like after nursing his injury for, I think it was, they went nine weeks, ten weeks. I know it was only supposed to be eight, but they gave him a little extra time, specifically so this wouldn't happen. He goes out there, gets injured yesterday in practice. So for those of you listening to this on Wednesday, gets injured yesterday, that's Monday in practice for you guys. Quez Glover, I don't know what this looks like. It could be a week thing, but I would expect longer than that. He was on crutches after the game, limping pretty bad and ahead of things. I don't know that this shapes up, but you got to say, guys, this has been a tough start to the season for K-State. 
especially watching Naquan Tomlin leave, and I voiced my frustration. I'm pissed off at Richard Litton still. That flame's never dying in me, but I'm still upset about that. It's hard because I'm really excited for Naquan Tomlin. I'm really thrilled that he's playing and being the player he is, but it's also like you watch him play, and it is so painfully obvious how much time and effort this coaching staff put into Naquan Tomlin. I mean, he's an NBA pick. He had 15 and 15 in limited minutes the other day for Memphis. He looks like the best player on any team in the country, and that's this type of dude. It was so obvious that Tomlin was your guy. Then you have the addition of a Cam Carter that's advancing, of Arthur Kaluma advancing. Tyler Perry can be the guy to control it, as well as a healthy Quest Glover. Then you don't even have to look at the freshman. You don't have to look at a Buddy Rich or a Day-Day Ames or an R.J. Jones. Let me say, we're blessed to have that opportunity to look at them. I'm not saying we should ignore them or anything like that, but it is apparent that this is not the start Kansas State wanted. You lose two of your guys, like Naquan Tomlin was your best player. That's just that's the way it goes. I know Arthur Kaluma is going to be an NBA player. I know Cam Carter will eventually be an NBA player. You've got some great dudes out there, but Tomlin is so much head and shoulders better than everybody in the Big 12 at that power forward position. He's the best one in the league. Now he's with Memphis. He's cooking. He's doing his thing. Good for him, and I hope he continues to play well. This is a huge season for him, but you look at that, and it's just tough because you see what could have been. This coaching staff has already experienced some hits at the injury spot. They've lost a couple guys for various reasons. Now it's about how are we going to adapt because it does change the scheme. I mean, you've specifically changed the five-out offense to fit a guy like Naquan Tom, to attract a guy like Patrick Gangba. Neither are with the program anymore. I'm not saying the offense isn't working. You've seen it work. You saw it against LSU. You saw it against Wichita State. You give guys like Cam Carter chances to finish in transition, but it's just tough to watch this year specifically. This is the only year where I feel like we're going to have an issue because you're, you're losing two of your best guys early on. Once again, don't know if Glover will return or not. I don't want to make it sound like it's a season thing, but it's just tough to witness based off of what we knew in the offseason, what we looked at in the offseason, what we expected coming into this season. Because you had Naquan Tomlin onto this team. I think you're a top two, top three team in the Big 12. You know, top two, obviously, being Kansas, Houston. You're right there for that number three spot, right up there with Baylor, right up there with Oklahoma at the moment. BYU, I'm still interested to see how their season goes out. But I think it's just, it's a massive pivot. And usually K-State won't be hoodwinked like this. They won't be bamboozled in the sense that they didn't have to spend an entire offseason, the entire overseas trip, knowing, hey, this NBA top 10, top 15 picks out there on the court, he's going to be our guy. We're not going to have a situation where you lose that guy again. That's just not the case. So I don't doubt that this team's going to struggle. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to put it out there and say we're going to be perfect. But this team will struggle through Big 12 Conference play, and I'm not saying we're going to be awful. I still think we're an NCAA tournament team, but now we're at the point in the season where we have to look for more and other people. So that is part of that Buddy Rich getting him some more minutes, getting different guys some more minutes, you know, looking for more. Even though you already have a lot out of Cam Carter, out of Arthur Kaluma, you need those guys to be the best player on their team by leaps and bounds. I mean, you need peak form art every night. Tyler Perry, you got to get him shooting shots. You got to get him hitting the right shots, facilitating the offense. Cam Carter has been great. I'm not even going to judge. Cam Carter has been sensational this year. But you're going to have to start looking for guys like Will McNair to step up. Buddy Rich is a great example. I think every time Buddy's been on the court, and I know that he doesn't provide a lot from three, every time he's been on the court, he's affected the game positively. You know, he's the most athletic dude on either team. Doesn't matter who you line up with. That's Buddy Rich. So he's improved. He's played great minutes when he's out there. You know, this past game, you saw a kid like Dorian Finister out there. You know, you see David Gasson, who deserves his minutes this week. Like, he got a lot of crap this season because he couldn't shoot free throws. You know, he was struggling. He's not a three-point threat at all. But he went out there and he worked. You know, they talked about him making over 500 free throws in the gym a day just to right his wrongs. And I'm proud of him for the commitment he's had for that. He deserves the opportunity to play out there. But I'm just saying, like, David Gasson, when he's aggressive, is a drastically different player when he's passive. So you need David Gasson to be loose and playing fun and having fun. I mean... He went out there and had 13-9 and nine in the game, 13 points, 9 assists. That's his best game of the season by far. Might be the best game of last season. That might be the best David Gasson we've seen. 
But you need him to stay that consistent, that aggressor, that guy that's going to it. Will McNair, as good as he's been and as exciting as he's been, there's still more that he can do. He's got to be the best rebounder on the block every single time. He's got to be that low threat guy. And you've seen him work his post moves through this point, but I love the energy plays. I love the hustle plays. I'm just saying we're at the point in the season where we're going to need to continue to see that more consistently from everybody on the court. Because now we're sitting here, there's no Tomlin coming out of, off the bench to save us. There's no Quez Glover coming healthy. Hey, we got another guy ready to go. Now you're at a point where, hey, look around the room. These are the dudes we have. We got to pick it up, fellas. We got to go. And I'm not saying we're sitting here saying we're awful. I don't want to make it sound like we're done or anything like that. I have the utmost faith in this coaching staff. They are the dudes that trust every single time. I believe in the players we have. I think everybody can get to that point. But it is crazy to see how different the team looks during you know August versus now. All that's to say, I believe in these dudes. I expect them to get the job done, and I fully believe in them. It's just going to be interesting to see how they handle the storm for conference play. Because the schedule's not easy. I mean, you've got the most ranked teams of anybody in the country right now. I looked at the recent bracketology update. There was 11 different Big 12 teams mentioned. So let's look at Kansas State's basketball schedule. I'll keep it quick because I know we're winding down here, but just look at the schedule here for a minute. We open up Big 12 player after the Chicago State game with UCF. UCF, unranked, but has been playing decent. West Virginia, I know they're not the best team on paper, but Raekwon Battle's scary. I mean, that's a serious thing. When that dude's on the court, they're a different team. Then you play Texas Tech, Grant McCaskill, and see what they have to offer. Baylor, 18th ranked team in the country, will probably be higher at that point. Oklahoma State, not very good. I'll be straight up with you. So you start slow, and then you get hit with it. Then you start to get caught up. You get a couple of five or six games to start slow, which I'm really grateful for with the way this worked out. You know, we're not opening the season against Houston. We're not doing it against Kansas or whoever. You go Oklahoma State, Iowa State. Then this is where it gets tough. January 27th. So to round out January, we play third-ranked Houston, 11th-ranked Oklahoma, unranked OSU. There's a game there. Can't look past them because it's a trap spot. Second-ranked Kansas, 12th-ranked BYU. TCU is just outside the top 25. 20th-ranked Texas, 12th-ranked BYU. There's maybe one game in there, two games in there that aren't ranked for about nine games straight. This team will be tested. We are forging that team. Coach Tang talked about it. Forging this team is going to be crucial. Until we get that knife just right, until we get the sword just right, you're going to see some of the imperfections. So I'm hoping for tonight's game against Chicago State to give us another good sign of, hey, this team has more than what we've showed so far. This is where we can go. This is where we can go from here. This is what we focus on. So all that's to say, guys, I wanted to give you some updates on the football team, talk to you about my thoughts on basketball. I am so excited to keep talking to you in the new year. Thank you all for all your support back in 2023. We're officially here with the first episode of 2024, and I'm excited to keep it rolling through the new year. Have a wonderful day. We will talk to you soon. Go Cats!